Sark. I hope you're all having a wonderful day, afternoon, evening, or night, whatever time it may be for you. Please join me in welcoming artist, designer, animator, musician, creative, and my friend, Jessica Dunn. So Jessica, how are you? I'm doing great. It's morning here. Uh, I woke up a little early today, so feeling good. Jessica is in Indianapolis, Indiana, United States and I am in Barcelona, Spain, so we have a six-hour time difference. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast, and I would like to begin by sharing a bit of how we met. Actually, can you share a bit of yourself? So I'm Jessica Dunn. I also go by Sessica. That's S-E-S-S-E-K-A. I came up with that when I was a kid. I used to just not be able to say my name, so I'd say Seska. But I am a multimedia artist uh, with a focus in experimental animation. I do a lot of 2D animation using any kind of materials that I can get my hands on. Um, But yeah, that's a little bit about my background. But I do a lot of things, as Michelle mentioned. I also make music. I do immersive installations. And uh, I do design as well. We met at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis which I think is the, it's the largest in the world, right? The, of the Children's Museum franchise. I believe the one in Indianapolis is the largest in the world, just to add that. <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school. I was, I remember, that's why I went up to you because you were talking about how you attended Heron School of Art and Design, uh, the university. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like I felt I remember saying, oh, I feel like that's the next step for me, like thinking about college, blah, blah, blah. So I was, I don't know, I was still in high school. I was 15. Like I was, you know, not really paying attention to anything. So that was my perspective. Like what were some things going on in your life during that time? We were asked to do a career talk at the Children's Museum to the Museum Apprentice Program. We were called MAPS, which you were a part of. And Brain Twins, uh, my company, was only a couple years old at the time, but we were starting to get a little more traction and start starting to take on larger projects and getting more into animation and also doing stuff for exhibits. So like an animated video that would go inside of the uh, exhibit, which we did end up doing one for the National Geographic uh, Sacred Journeys exhibit at the Children's Museum. We ended up doing an animation about the story of Buddha. And I forget if this was before or after that, but we were asked to give a career talk. So that's when I got to meet you. And I remember seeing you in the uh, crowd of students, and I thought you were really present and engaging. And I remember you had great questions to ask us at the time. Uh-huh. So immediately, I, this this person's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember too. Like, like, you guys also gave like a demo for the auditorium, like how to set up like the stage and stuff like that. Also, after I went to ask you some questions, um, you guys were like, oh, and we can do um, internship, like senior internships. And then at the time, like that was just a comment in one year out the other. But then like flash forward to 2017, my like the second semester of my senior year of high school, I reached out to you guys. I remember, so we had a few people ask um, to do internships, and I I don't know, there's something about, we had an instant connection, and I really respected you, even though you were still a a child at the time, I was just like, 
you you felt wise beyond your years and I felt like I could talk to you just like adult to adult even though you you weren't and I don't know just felt a genuine friendship too um can you share some of your personal background in regards to the arts yeah um I started drawing as soon as I could hold a crayon (laughs) my mom and my dad um they're both artists deep down they're really good at drawing they both have vision uh so they started me drawing when I was really young and actually my first published art uh I was three years old (laughs) it was published in like a little local magazine uh which is fun but I always enjoyed drawing I started making comics really young at first I wanted to be a cartoonist specifically Mm -hmm. which is funny because it's kind of come around full circle I don't really do cartoons but I do animation but I always liked it and I started painting a lot that was really the way I passed the time of course I I went through a lot of things as a kid like I wanted to be a paleontologist I wanted to be a veterinarian in high school there was a lot of pressure for me to become a doctor or something that was like really high paying so I almost went to med school uh which I I didn't end up going because I kind of senior year I was like eh I just want to follow my heart and I decided to go to Heron thinking for sure that I was going to be a painting major just because I'd been painting my entire life and in high school I started oil painting and I really liked it as a medium and then um, at Heron for those that don't know you you go into a foundations program for your first year at Heron School of Art and Design where you're immersed in all kinds of different art and I'm actually really thankful for that because when I took 3D design I realized oh sculpture is anything and um so I started taking sculpture classes and I really really um took a liking to the sculpture department at Heron Greg Hall who's now the dean of Heron um was a wonderful wonderful professor and he taught me so many skills and really let me be myself how would you compare painting and sculpture even though one is two-dimensional, the other is three-dimensional, but how would you compare those to producing audio- audiovisual pieces? At Heron, I started making my thesis because in the painting department, you were required to have a thesis show and write an actual thesis. And I felt like I was pull- being pulled into multiple directions all at once because of doing painting and sculpture. And they're complete separate buildings the painting department had a completely different mentality based on what a painting is and the presentation of our thesis and then sculpture was totally different. So that is where I started making, I guess my first audio visual pieces wasn't sculpture, um, but I incorporated that into my painting thesis, which was called Dimension 2.5, which I was saying was kind of in between 2D and 3D, um, which ended up actually being more 4D. <laughs> four-dimensional because there was time-based elements there was immersive sculptures that you'd interact with etc my first audio visual pieces were happening I was building sound sculptures and sculptures that you could crank by hand and I had like this one that was a slinky machine that basically had levers that would go up and down and there I think nine slinkies that would all operate at once (laughs) and then I started working on automata which yeah the hand cranked machines and I guess those are kind of like animations but I always was passionate about music I just never had any kind of traditional training like with piano or singing or anything like that so I started making like these weird kind of soundtracks to some of my video work 
And then um, I was incorporating that into my thesis a bit in school and some other projects. Um, but then that really took off later outside of college, of course, as you know. Yeah. Um, what are some aspects or like what are the qualities of audiovisuals that makes you so passionate about it? I guess I really, the most important thing to me when I'm experiencing art is feeling transformed by it or that I'm like being transported to a different place. And to me, the more senses you can kind of interact and play with for a piece, the better. So that's why I was like, well, why, why can't my piece have a smell to it? Mm-hmm. Why can't I, I want to be able to enter a piece and interact with it and explore. And also film does that for me too. I really like, I guess most of my favorite, favorite artists are actually directors and um, it's audiovisual in a way because, you know, there's a video, there's a narrative, and then there's a score, mm-hmm. um, which is really important to me. And a lot of, honestly, the kind of music I listen to while I'm working, I, I listen to a lot of soundtracks and scores from films. And I really like the emotion that that can draw out of you. So for me, I'm like, why not expand that out into, yeah, the fourth dimension? A viewer being able to either walk physically inside of a piece that I make or be able to interact with it like a video game, which is where I'm kind of going with my art now um, and for the future is making interactive pieces, interactive stories um, that also include a soundtrack. Yeah. And so in your work, how have you defined your personal style since since it's a bit different? Like with painting, it's it's just visual. So it's I feel like it's easier to create a style. But with audiovisual, like you said, like with directors, it's more than the visuals it's the sound also so how have you been able to define your style with that my biggest thing when I think about back to my paintings even in high school I was interested in playing with perception and kind of playing with it abstracted um, and saturated color so I feel like actually the painting work has kind of permeated within the other work in a way in regards to expression and playing with illusion and perception. And I feel like a lot, especially in my animated stuff, my 2D stuff, uh, you can kind of see my color sensibility, my mark making sensibility, etc. kind of play through. And then it's funny when I think about like the sound stuff I make, the music I make, it still plays with abstraction, playing with perception. I include a lot of auditory illusions in my work, playing with um, stereo, adding kind of secrets inside of like the sounds that are like little Easter eggs. And that kind of goes throughout the work. Um, I feel like as artists, sometimes it's harder for us to see our own style because it's just yeah. kind of an inherent process, but other people are able to see that. And that's what's fun for me, too, is, like, when other people are like, oh, I knew that was Jessica Dunn, yeah. <laughs> Jessica P, or Ika, that's my um, music project, Ika. Um, they're like, oh, I know that was, like, very Ika. <laughs> so I knew it, too, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that because yeah. sometimes from the inside, I feel like I'm all over the place or I'm just doing what feels natural and I'm not really thinking a lot. It's just intuition that's coming through and defining my style. What does art mean to you? I feel like I see art in most things that maybe other people don't see as art. Like art exists in the chair that you're sitting in right now. The phone that 
that you look at daily like somebody designed that that's art um the memes on our screens even though sometimes they don't feel like art i mean that's art to me it's like almost like need neo dadaist yeah um those modern memes uh or art as memes uh of course it's the the images that we hang on our walls but it's so much more than that it's the films that we watch the music that we listen to even the food we eat I feel like going to a restaurant prepared by a renowned chef like that is art it's like the passion that you put into whatever you're having your hands on or your brain on you know even uh, even the food you make at home like it doesn't have to be a world-class chef but like like honestly like when I cook I love seeing the colors like for example if I make like a pasta sauce and it's like red or like creamy and then I, you add like the cilantro it's like green and you see like the flakes of green in the in the soup or whatever but then honestly I'm not the best cook and then I eat it and it's terrible but I'm like this is art <laughs> like this is amazing <laughs> I love cooking, by the way. Like, it's definitely a hobby, and I definitely inject my my vision on, on it. And, like, just even playing with your senses or playing with your palate, that's mm-hmm. huge to me. And you know what else outside of that feels like art? Nature feels like art to me. The animals, the bugs, like, the things that they do, to me, that is art as well. Um, and perhaps art mimics nature. I don't know. Actually, nature is a, a major inspiration to me when, when it comes to my art. Yeah. Yeah, I love that response because, like I was telling you before, I feel like society places boundaries on what art can be or, like, what art is. And sometimes I, I think, like, dentists are artists or, like, that field is art or lawyers can be artists, but, like, so many people separate that like oh that's a lawyer oh that's an artist oh that's a dentist oh and that's an artist you know like they separate those things when in reality like for me art is something invisible and it influences someone to create something so I don't think like this might be this might cause some conflict but like I don't think like the artwork in museums is art like that's artwork those are physical pieces of art like a van gogh or even a basquiat somewhere like that's not art that's artwork you know like art is what caused them like the experiences that they went through to create what you're now seeing also you know i i keep hearing from a lot of people like oh I'm not an artist, or, oh, I'm not creative at all, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, you are. Or even, like, my mom, they're like, oh, I'm I'm a mom, I'm like, that's art, too. Like, I think about Mm. how much my mom did for me as a kid growing up, and, like, the things she showed me, there's so much art within that, like, her showing me the world. It's kind of difficult, of course, to answer the question what is art because of this reason like because it's so many complex things but um that's why I titled it like what's art the podcast because it's kind of playing up playing with like hey what's up <laughs> so yeah. like, hey what's art it's also like dada is dada yeah dada. that's true that's actually one of my favorite art movements. that's my favorite art movement awesome yeah 
I love that. Yeah, everything is data. Data is data. Yeah. Everything is data, nothing is data. Can you talk about any of your recent projects? Actually, I want to hear about the one, if if you're allowed to share, I want to know about the one that was projected at the Circle downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about that Okay, cool. Can you share, like, some of, like... I guess the concepts and techniques, but also I'm interested to know like how it came about. Sure. So recently I got asked to do a um, video piece that would be projected super large scale, like on, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it a skyscraper, a very large building downtown um, at Monument Circle in Indianapolis. For people that don't know Indianapolis, this is like the very center of the city. There's a, a roundabout kind of circle and there's a, big monument in the center and then there's a uh, building surrounding so they were doing this film series um it's called no more no place which is kind of a play on the slang term like indian no place <laughs> saying like there's nothing in indianapolis curated by jordan munson um it was kind of playing with like actually there's really cool stuff going on here um so it was works kind of inspired by the city um, and for a lot of the pieces, they would pair a film director with a musician or composer, and they'd be kind of like mishmashed together. All, all the pieces were exactly two minutes long. Um, but because I do both, I did one piece like that where I was paired with uh, a musician, Co. No- newborn. So I did like a data moshed glitch piece for that, which was really fun. But then I also did a, a piece for my own music. So I had a two-minute song. It's um, called Morning Focus by my project, Ika. And that song I made actually a few years ago. It was one of the first things I ever did with that project. And it was inspired by, like, this idealized self of me being a morning person, which I naturally am not, but I've kind of become that a few years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, like, a really peaceful song, and it's about, like, getting ready to start the day. It's like a meditation. Um, so I made a a video piece for it which uses animation and it's all footage that I've collected on my morning runs or morning walks or morning hikes around the city and there's actually a lot of beautiful parks around town um, that I, I frequent and I find my inspiration there so I use video work that I had taken um, just casually and then I turn it into animations and so the process I used for that um, I'm using like this new software it's called EB Synth it's still in beta but basically you create keyframes that are stylized the way you wanted so i kind of did my own painting of a frame from the video and then you export frames and then it uses uh, artificial intelligence to map your keyframe onto the video footage Mm -hmm. so it gives us really kind of psychedelic feel because of the way ai tries to fill in the gaps but it's not quite right but for me, I was just kind of playing with this program to see if I liked what it did. And it creates this really dreamlike kind of atmosphere, even though it's from my art. It's not like artificial intelligence yeah. just pulling out of nothing. It's like playing off of my drawings. So I use that at least as a jumping off point. And then sometimes I go back into the footage and I am drawing out frames, doing frame by frame animation. That was so funny what you shared, the the concept that I was saying. What was the title again? Like, Indian No Place? Or 
It was called No More No Place. Okay, No More No Place. I guess we call it, like, derogatory in a way, like, yeah. Indian No Place. How would you describe the art scene in Indianapolis? Because, I don't know, like, it like it has such a connotation that it's boring. Oh, like, you know, the typical phrases, like, it's only hospitals and cornfields. Or, for example, being here in Barcelona... When I say, oh, I'm from the U- U.S., United States, and they're like, oh, where? Indiana. No one knows what Indiana is, and especially not Indianapolis, which is the capital. And it's like, growing up, I like in high school, me and my friends, we always felt like, I guess it was also in our minds, but we always felt like we were in New York or like, you know, like a typical, like typical city girls or like typical city vibes. Like, it's still it's still a vibrant city and it has a strong art scene and it's only growing more and more, but I don't know, like there's such a connotation for it, but I don't know. How would you describe the art scene? That's funny what what you say, like when people like over in Europe are like, what's Indiana? Because when I first went to Europe, people are like, just say you're from Chicago. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm going to start saying that. Actually, no, because I like representing Indianapolis. And I honestly, I always, since leaving and being there too, but like since leaving, I'm like, that place has so much potential. Like, I've always felt like it could be like what New York was in that in the 80s or whatever with that high, um, like strong art scene. I feel mm-hmm. like it has that potential. Yeah. Indianapolis is great. Like, that's why I decided to stay here. Um, there are pros and cons, but I mean, it's not a small city. I think it's yeah. the 12th largest in the United States. Um, but there's always like tons of stuff going on, especially in the music scene. And then the music scene really um, integrates artists well because there's always pr- like live projections or some kind of visual setup going on there. And there's a lot of collaboration um, between different disciplines of art, which is really refreshing to me it's big enough where there's always something going on and there's always plenty of people to see your work but it's small enough where like I don't know you're not like ah, I don't know which thing to go to there's always people also like coming and going so there's people coming to contribute as well to the art scene like it was interesting being here and seeing on social media all the things about butter this past year I don't know like it's cool to see even new um art fairs and new artists and just like just watching that the art scene grow indianapolis is in a convenient place that's why it's called like crossroads of america i guess is what is it indy or indiana's kind of motto it's just because it's in between so many things like all of the interstates and highways kind of go through the center um, it's affordable to an extent, so there's so many like international conventions and events yeah. here. Um, the Indy 500s here, so it does have like an international pull a little bit, even though maybe not for the reasons that we're interested yeah. in as much, like the arts. But yeah, there's art fairs like Butter. There's lots of stuff going on. I think we still have a lot of improvement that we can do, but it's definitely no city to just completely look over mm-hmm. and. Um, so now making the switch kind of to talk about Brain Twins LLC, um, well, something I wanted to ask you is how, how do you stay true to yourself and to your ideas when you're working with clients? Thankfully, I feel like I'm at the stage where people are seeing my work and they want me to show it just to show it. 
Um, yeah. But working for like clients and corporate clients, especially, it's, it gets a little different um, in regards to being yourself. I always try to stay myself, and that's just being authentic and coming from a place that I know is me, not trying to be anyone else or create what I think people expect. I always try to create the unexpected, but doing it in my style. But um, part of staying true to yourself on a professional level for like larger institutions and clients also means sometimes choosing your battles, especially if you're getting paid to do something. If a client is, you know, because sometimes the customer is always right, <laughs> um, technically, but I mean, in my head, maybe not always. <laughs> sometimes you, you choose the battles and you're like, well, is it worth me fighting and possibly burning bridges and creating conflicts because my client wants me to enlarge their logo? <laughs> maybe not. So sometimes I will kind of bend to what they want. Can you share some of the history behind Brain Twins and how it came to be? And also maybe share like, I don't know if you want to share first um, what it is now and then share some of the background. Brain Twins is a creative studio with a focus on animation that I co-created with Justin Shimp, who is my um, partner in Brain Twins. We started it 10 years ago. Um, so we're in our, I guess, our 10th year. But basically we do animation for documentaries, other films, exhibits sometimes we do stage design which works in my uh sculpture backgrounds we also work on virtual reality and augmented reality we've done some interactive pieces in that realm as well um for purposes of like education art etc at the time were there any creative like artistic related startup companies that inspired you yeah, so um, around 10 years ago, what happened and how we got started actually ties in with a company that we were kind of inspired by, which was mm -hmm. also from our friends. So Justin, uh, he had been working at a place called Smallbox, which was a web design company, but kind of web design businesses started going out because of the development, like WordPress, Squarespace, you know, site builders that have a content management system built into it. So basically the roles at that job are changing. And Jeb Banner, his boss, who is also our mentor, both of us, uh, he was like, Justin, your your role here is becoming a little obsolete. Um, but I see you and Jessica are doing a lot of these art projects and I see something in that and I feel like you two can do that full time let me help you get there so oh. Jeb Banner shout out to you you've been such an incredible influence and he, he's taught me a lot about business which is definitely like not how my brain works um, because he was CEO and he's run a lot of different companies over the years um, but he's the one who officially got us started and um, Justin and I were really inspired by watching Joyful Noise grow as a company because it started in their basement and we started working alongside them. Um, we started doing music videos and other music promos. Um, we started dipping into animation. And then um, some, of the, some of those music videos that we made ended up getting us a little more attention from some directors. And then we started kind of exploding our business too. And so what Brain Twins is today. 
And looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? Not saying, not saying any, like, if you have any regrets, but just like, you know, something that you realized along the way that you wish that you knew before. This, this thing has always been ingrained into our heads, um, because our mentor, Jeb, was always like, it's okay to say no to things. I wish we could have learned to say no a little bit earlier, but it's so hard when you're starting out and you don't have any money. And you just want to take on every project that you can just to keep afloat financially. It was really hard to balance that. And we took on a lot of projects where we were getting treated maybe not the best or just being paid like hardly even minimum wage or even under that in regards to doing like an animated music video. There are times that we should have said no just because maybe the work that we're doing wasn't truly aligning with our vision, but we just felt like we had to, to either A, be nice or B, we needed the money. So I think um, being able to say no earlier on just to like offload some some work and stress, like that's major and I actually recommend that for any artist. It's okay to say no. So a lot of things factor into professionalism um, in regards to working as an artist full-time and working with clients. You know, a lot of people have this idea that artists are really unreliable or flaky or late. So we try to um, defy those stereotypes that artists have by being professional, which means um, setting expectations correctly, you know, putting a contract in place, not assuming anything about a project, like really being clear about your intentions, your deliverables, all of these things. And then actually delivering it in a timely manner is super important. Like, thankfully, we've never been late on a project on our behalf. Sometimes a project will be delayed because scheduling issues or a client kind of changing their mind about what they want for a script, etc. But we've never been late on our end because that's super important to me because I want to always deliver. Um, And for me, it's not about delivering the bare minimum. It's about even over-delivering a bit, but not doing that in a way where I'm, you know, putting extra work on myself that's outside of the scope. Especially in this field of animation and full-time art making, a lot of it comes from practice and knowledge and knowing what it takes to get a project done. Um, But being able to set those expectations clearly is most important to me in regards to professionalism. And it also means being able to own up to something. Like, if you make a mistake... It's about knowing how to communicate that with a client um, because communication is key. I feel like if you can be a good communicator, that will kind of go throughout all of your professionalism and it'll make you just succeed and excel in whatever industry that you're working in, for sure. Yeah. Professionalism has become more important for me, um, especially because of what I was telling you, like, my experience in July I did um an artist residency it was like an exchange between Barcelona and Paris and there were a few instances where like they had a bit too much to drink so like in the studio or at the expo or after the expo and like to me like it's fine like drink we're adults drink what you want like 
do what you want. You know what I mean? Ever since that um, experience, I came up with a motto for myself, like professionalism is a mindset, not a status. If you're rude to whoever you're working with, that's not professional, at least in my eyes. That's tricky. It's really important to know how to stand up for yourself too as an artist, which I'm Actually, I have an attorney with a focus in like business law and licensing and stuff like that. So I also know when to consult an attorney if I need to. Yeah. If, if there's something like a contract where I feel like I'm being disrespected or um, being taken advantage of, like knowing who to go to also mm-hmm. that can back you up is important. Sometimes people just don't put the same level of care into something as you do as an artist and it can be really disheartening and frustrating if you're working like collaborating with somebody or if you have a client or if you hire somebody um, and they just don't care at the same level that you do it's going to happen a lot and I I have a funny story actually one time Justin and I were at a big meeting it was for this major event in the city that has like international draw and one of the people is like an older person (laughs) they were like who hired these freaks (laughs) right in front of Justin and I and like I had blue and purple hair at the time uh and so did he because I had leftover dye from when I dyed my hair and I put it in his hair so we were like totally twinning (laughs) and somebody was just like who hired these freaks on and that was a point where I kind of like looked at Justin and I kind of smirked and just kind of laughed it off honestly but yeah you don't want to burn any bridges it's it's tricky just yeah. I think my biggest tip for people is just to be specific like if something's not meeting your expectations this can go for like giving feedback on a project or critique even if you're in art school it's just being specific can you share any information about some upcoming projects <laughs> so upcoming I have a really exciting collaboration that I'm working with, uh, with one of my friends who's a composer and also multidisciplinary artist, Landon Caldwell. Uh, He's known for his cassette label, Medium Sounds, that he runs with Mark Tester. Um, They release kind of experimental underground and ambient electronic works. But we applied um, to create an immersive audio-visual installation at the Loom in Newfields, which is the whole fourth floor of the museum. It has, uh, all of the walls are projected on the floors and there's audio surrounding, it's like immersive spatial audio and uh, projection. So we are doing a project that's kind of this utopia version of nature within Indianapolis. So we're inspired by like native plants and species and we're creating kind of this ideal, hyper-exaggerated abstraction of our surrounding nature as inspiration. So we want the viewer to walk through the gallery in space, find like hidden things, like there's this one room that's kind of set off and it's a whole cylinder that you walk in and you're completely surrounded by the visuals and the audio. Um, So creating like little pockets of secret places and encouraging people to kind of interact by exploring. Um, It's all going to be animated and uh, we'll have a custom score made by Landon. And I'm really excited to work with him because I've always wanted to work with him on a project like this. Um, So that's coming up that will run for at least a year. It might be showing internationally too, but 
more details on that to be announced. Where can we find you online? Where can we see your work? Yeah, I have a website where you can find everything. It's www.sessica.com. And Sessica is S-E-S-S-E-K-A. You can also find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active on social media, at Sessica. And from there, I have links in my bio to other projects that I've worked on, too. So you can find my other projects as well. Cool, thank you. And I'll add those links and the tag as well in the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for being willing to meet with me and share your perspective on this show. And your support always means so much to me. Thank you, Michelle. I was delighted. I was beyond willing to go on your podcast. (laughs) I've always enjoyed um, just seeing your process, the things that you're thinking about, the things that you're working on. And I'm really excited to see where you go uh, also in the future. And I would love to be able to collaborate also. Yes, you need to. Absolutely. (laughs) 